Greetings to the PATH family. Our slogan at the PATH is meeting you where you are. We invite you to follow, share, and check us out on social media. You may connect with us at any time, anywhere. On Facebook at The PATH Church or Instagram and Twitter at Join the PATH. Without further delay, enjoy this week's sermon. So we will continue in our series, Satisfied. So go ahead and log in with our Mentimeter there so we can uh, continue with our uh, incredible engagement. It's so exciting to see how, you know, you guys are so real and authentic. And so we really appreciate that and want to continue in that mindset. So go ahead and log in there. And our series um, has been titled Satisfy. Are you satisfied? When Contentment Meets Pleasure. And this book that we're reading, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, is telling us how to slow our lives down. Now, a lot of y'all, when y'all drive, you don't go too slow. You need one of them guards in the middle of the street to slow you behind down. So I'm going to help you with that today, okay? So... I want to pick up where uh, Marty Solomon left off. Uh, Marty gave us an incredible message looking at the book of Genesis, chapter 1, and the incredible, powerful, hidden message, the hidden treasure was rest. I love you not because of how much you produce, but I love you because I created you. And I really have been wrestling with this particular topic since 2018. My wife, incredible Tasha, she calls me the Energizer Bunny. She said, dude, how you keep doing all this stuff? You are surgeon, you are pastor, you are mentor, you 100 black men, Georgia Tech, Morehouse, you still going. I can't do it all. And I'm just a little bunny, man. I just keep hitting my drums, and I just keep going. But in 2018, Angel and Mike invited me onto the staff. And it was funny how God works. Right before I started officially, um, we went to a conference, a leadership conference called Catalyst. And at that conference, I ran into our author, John Mark Comer. And his message cut me so deep, I cried in my seat. I recorded it on my phone and listened to it for six months straight, talking about Jesus providing his easy yoke in Matthew chapter 11. I was worn out, dude. I was tired, running around like my hair on fire, trying to keep up with Brother Maldonado. But we can live tired, weary, anxious lives ourselves. We run around like this all week with our hair on fire, trying to accomplish, praying for the next break, praying for the next vacation. We'll sit there and say, my whole Saturday is booked up. I don't have time to rest. It's already Sunday and I got to go back to work. And we'd be struggling. And we will say, I just need more time. 
Well, there's been research done that giving yourself more time does not work. So this, all, this goes all the way back to the French Revolution in the 1800s. Mike, correct me if I'm wrong. I may be wrong. Sorry if I am about the date. But they tried to take a seven-day work week and go to a 10-day work week, which means you work 10 days straight until you get your first day off. Guess what happened to production in the toilet? Guess what happened to the suicide rate increase? Guess what happened to the economical status of the country? Down in the toilet. Then they did another study that looked at, well, how many hours in the week do we need to work to be our most effective? 50 versus 70. Everybody would naturally think 70. Get more time, get more done. They found that right at 50 was the sweet spot. At 70, you start to lose productivity, concentration, and your well-being decreases. And it's funny that 50-hour work week translates to a six-day work week. Take note of that soon. Even in medicine, when my mom went to school in the 80s, even when I was coming through in the early 2000s, she worked 120 hours a week. As a medical student, I worked 110. My first year in residency, they did research that showed that physicians had increased errors in writing medication, in diagnostic testing, and surgical errors. So they changed the training curriculum to where you couldn't do more than 80 hours a week. And even now, they're looking at backing off of that. Companies, corporate America, they are looking at a four-day work week over in Europe. Imagine that. And some companies in America are looking at it too. The employees are more productive, they're happier, they feel more engaged, and their well-being is stratified through the roof. That's the data. Could God be talking to us through our bodies? You better believe he is. Last week, Jazz talked about silence and solitude, which is the, which the language that God speaks. So today what we're going to do is we're going to make it even more specific, even more practical for you. Atop many of things in our life to slow ourselves down and eliminate hurry, and there are many, the top of the list is Sabbath. Now, most of us in here are probably saying, what is this dude talking about? He's going to talk about some Old Testament crap that don't even mean nothing to me. Well, we're going to study that out today, Amen. So, let's look at what does biblical Sabbath really mean? So, let's see what y'all think. Is it, I have no idea, bro, what you're talking about. Is it something the Jews just have to do? Is it, I just can't do nothing on Sabbath. I just sit in my house with the lights cut off. Or is it rest and worship? So, you know, it's so funny. Angel, Mike, and Jazz and I were just talking back there. A lot of spirituality will say what it should be, but what is actually happening. So I love the fact that knowledge base we know is rest and worship. Are we doing it, though? I would challenge each and every one of you right now to ask yourself, do you really know how to Sabbath? Because this is a conviction of mine that I would say all 91 of you probably do not do it. 92 and counting. Because 
I mean, it is hard in this culture to do what God has described us to do. Turn over to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. We'll be in verse 8. In the spirit of jazz, let me know if you got it. It don't matter. should be on the screen. So let's move forward. I ain't do it as good as jazz, but brother, I tried. So God continues to talk about rest. He talked about it in Genesis chapter 1. And now that his people have been released, he's rescued them from Egypt, he has to give them a new template with which to work from. He has to give them a new way of life because they only have known one way for 400 years, and that's to produce bricks. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You are to labor six days and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work, you, your son, or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the foreigner who is within your gates. For the Lord has made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything in them in six days. Then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. This Hebrew word for Sabbath is Shabbat. Shabbat. And it basically means, in the most simplest terms, to stop. Just to stop. Now, the exciting thing about Hebrew words are they can have kind of many different meanings. So the other connotation to Shabbat is to delight. So when you look at Sabbath, Sabbath is telling us that it has this dual idea of stopping and delighting in God and our lives in his creation. The entire day for Sabbath is given to us so that we can follow the example of God to rest and delight in what we have created. This is an incredible, important topic. The first kind of set of way of life commandments that God gives, one-third of them are dedicated to stopping, to Sabbathing. 33% of what God communicates to his people, stop. Why did he do that? Two reasons. One, creation. He knew that if we just kept creating, kept creating, kept creating, you're going to eventually mess up the masterpiece. At some point, you need to stop. The other one was redemption and resistance. So let's look at the creation part. So back in Genesis, God said, I will bless the animals, and they will be fruitful. He said, I will bless the humans, and they will be fruitful. I get that. You're blessing some living entity. Then he says, bless the Sabbath. Well, how do you bless a day? What's going on with that? Well, God is saying that the Sabbath is life-giving. Just like humans are life-giving, they're able to procreate. Sabbath can also procreate. It gives us life so we can help give other people life. Amen? 
When you look at redemption and resistance, over in Deuteronomy chapter 5, you don't have to go there, write down as a reference. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 15. It is the same exact commandment that Moses is representing to the people. The difference is the people he's speaking to in Deuteronomy, these are the second, third, fourth generation from the people that were in the exile. They have forgotten what it was like. So he needed to remind them. So on the back end of the commandment, he put in, the Lord brought you out of Egypt. He's telling the people in Deuteronomy, hey, you are redeemed because I love you. Your redemption comes through resting and stopping your production. Because Egypt was all about cracking the whip, Jack, cracking the whip every day. They never got a break. And so Sabbath is even this thing for us to resist Egypt. Egypt in our lives represents the hurriedness, the super overscheduled busyness, the ability not to be able to say no to certain things. What is your Egypt right now? I'll be honest with y'all, the Egypt for me right now, man, I'm on a productivity model at my job, Jack. The more I produce, the more I make. It's about getting surgeries, bro. We call them RVUs, this special little term. No, it's about what it's about. The other thing that I'm struggling with is we're getting ready to go launch this church. I'm about people. Come on, let's bring the people. Me and Jazz, like, come on, let's go. And it's like, hold on, man. Are we going to allow those things to be idols in our lives? Are we going to work every day of the week on all that stuff? When God says you've got to stop. What is your Egypt for you right now? The Sabbath is a time, it's a holy time where we take naps like Jesus did. Be like Jesus. You take a nap, but you know what? Jesus got up and then he got to work on those other six days. Now, for our married people, Sabbath also means we can have sex. Now, I don't want to hear nobody talking about that's work for me. No. <laughs> for the married people now, don't get the game twisted. I got to put that out there so the brothers and the sisters can be squared away. All right. But we sing, we pray, we paint, we have conversations with each other, and we watch creation at its fullness. But we must stop. We've got to stop to be able to do these things, and God gives us permission to do so. So the title of the message today is Permission to Stop. So Jazz is going to put up our little uh, demo for today, and y'all know how y'all do when y'all comes to a stop sign. Man, my wife, one of my wife's coworkers, he called me out. He said, your husband drive that Range Rover? She said, yeah. He'll never stop through none of the stop signs or the side street. What are you doing checking me out? I'm like, but he, I don't. I roll right through him. That's how we do with life. When we come up to the stop, we just roll right on through, Jack. Can we please stop today? Amen? Golly, boy. But here's the challenge, though, right? Here's the challenge. Sabbath has just carried a lot of baggage through the years and has got embedded in a lot of legalism, 
moralism, these life-denying practices that totally go contra against what Sabbath was designed to do. And so it's gotten this heavy burden and just negative connotation. Here are some positive things that Sabbath can do for us. So there was a doctor that did a study. And so he wanted to look at all the religions of the world to see which ones are the happiest. And so in his research, what he found was that the seven-day Adventists were the happiest. So seven-day Adventists, for those that don't know, they are a group of uh, folks that, boy, they don't play with the Sabbath, Jack. They shut it down. Nothing goes on. So in his data collection, he found that not only they were happier, they lived 10 years longer than all the other denominations. 10 years? Shoot, Jack, I'll Sabbath three days a week. 10 years added to your life? There's so many things. Decreased blood pressure, decreased anxiety, decreased stress, improvement in sleep. It is just significant what happens when we stop and we rest. So God clearly gives us permission to do this because of the positive aspects. So repeat after me. Permission to stop. Permission to stop. Listen to Jesus give us permission to stop in this video clip. So for those of you who didn't see, first he interrupted the reading simply by standing next to this guy with a paralyzed hand. <laughs> the, the priest. What? Reaping or harvesting on Shabbat. Oh, yes. I'm sorry, I've been so hungry, I forgot what day it is. You may. <laughs> no, get back here, please. Out of the way. You have faith in mockery of our little synagogue and of Torah. You will tell us your name, your lineage, your... First you, and now your disciples, are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. Have you not read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He entered the house of God in the time of Ahimelech, the priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which was not lawful for him to eat but only for the priests. You would compare yourself to David. It was an emergency. Or have you not read in the law how on Shabbat the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath but are guiltless? That's for Levites. Are you a Levite of priestly lineage? Listen carefully. Something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless. Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath.
So, the son of man is lord, even of the seven. The son of man. Let's go. Man, can you imagine that Pharisee? <laughs> he said, what lineage are you from? He's talking to Jesus, man. So, you know, this comes from Mark chapter 2, verse 27. And Jesus quoted the scripture, Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the thinking in the first century where this got all twisted up, some of the Pharisees, some, they were so caught up in the rules, man. They just made more rules after more rules, and it was just burdensome. Look at Jesus and his crew. They just finished doing an incredible miracle. They're hanging out there together. My man Peter's hungry. Let him get a bite to eat. Then when Jesus let him eat, I mean, that's a real Sabbath. They're hanging out. They're joyous. They're excited. So in the first century, they put the cart before the horse. In the 21st century, disciple, we have no clue. We just don't have no clue. It's been lost in all the burdensome. We have totally cut it out from discipleship as we know it. From the author, one of the friends, one of the author's friend said, the Sabbath has largely been forgotten by the church, which has uncritically mimicked the rhythms of the industrial and success-obsessed West. The result, road-weary, exhausted churches have largely failed to integrate Sabbath into their lives as vital elements of Christian discipleship. It is not though we do not love God, we love God deeply. We just don't know how to sit with God anymore. Another scholar, Old Testament scholar, uh, Abraham Joshua Herschel said, One must abstain from toil and strain on the seventh day, even from strain in the service of God. Now, our church folks, we can get a little weird when we start talking about resting and stopping. Because we got to be on the mission. We got to be about winning the world for Jesus. And we're going and we're going. And then when we pull back, then we're burnt out and we're tired because we are in the same rhythm as the industrialized, success obsessed West. We cannot let our mindsets engage in the way the 21st century culture is running. Even church activities. Teaching, conversation, devos, those things won't go any place if the person's heart is not submitted to go there. And submission starts when we spend time with our Father undistracted. You know how it is. I've had talks with Mike and Angel, and I'm bowing up my chest, and we're getting into it, and then I go away and sit with God, and then I get humble and submit. we all been through it. You submit when you are sitting with the Father. And one of those times is the Sabbath. All week long, we work, we cook, we clean, we minister, we shop, we answer text messages. Yes, we are in this modern world to make a difference. But at some point, we come to our limit. So the major point that I have for you today is on the Sabbath we slow down and we come to a full stop. And it's okay. It is okay. We abandon our pursuits. We abandon our striving. 
to reclaim our authentic selves. Repeat after me. God loves authentic me. God loves authentic me. Shabbat is a time where we find our authentic selves. And in our authentic selves, we will find holiness that leads to healing. Healing from being burnt out on work, being burnt out on kids' activities, being burnt out on church activities, being burnt out on relationships, being burnt out on entrepreneurial endeavors and networking for our next. And I know what you're saying. Jackson, you don't get it, man. I work all during the week. I got to work on the weekends, too, to make bread. I got to secure that bag. That means make more money for our thing. Okay. I had to. My kid's going to get on me later, but I put it out there. But God rested. You say, Jackson, that soccer practice, soccer games are on the weekend. Softball games are on the weekend. God rested. You say, man, I got to run my errands. I'm working all through the week. God rested. We got the church activity. The only time we can really do it is on Saturday. God rested. Man, the excitement that I see when I study out Shabbat and see how the Jewish people get excited going into that evening, it reminds me analogous of how we run when we get to Friday. We'd be so excited, man. I can't wait till it's Friday, bro. I'm today tired. Some of y'all even put in Thursday afternoon off, so you have a four-day weekend. I know I try to close my OR down to do the same thing sometimes because we're tired. I think it's our bodies yearning and longing for rest. We just have to remember to bring God along with us because you can be excited about the weekend. That's, what's not, that's not what your heart is yearning for. Your heart is yearning to be with God, to slow down, to rest, to stop all of it so that you can listen to what he is trying to tell you. And we know our father, he is the one who gives us eternity. So write this one down, write this one down. Shabbat is eternity. So according to the Talmud, and the Talmud is uh, the... Um, commentary on the Old Testament scriptures, uh, Sabbath or Shabbat is known as Ming'ing Olahim Haba, Ming'ing Olam Haba, which means something like the world to come or the age to come, otherwise known as eternity. Now, we know about eternity as far as when we die, we go to heaven. No, no, no. That's a part of it, but we can also take hold of eternity right now. And so, if the world to come is characterized by this amazing holiness that Sabbath can usher in, that means that the holiness from Sabbath can lead to the healing that is also associated with the age to come or the world to come. Therefore, if we embrace the culture of holiness that leads to healing through authentic relationships, then every follower of Jesus should learn and apply Shabbat. Because as we grow in love and understanding the love God has for us, that will overflow and go to other people. Amen? So write this one down. Shabbat is fruitfulness. Shabbat is fruitfulness. In the beginning, God said he would bless the humans. Then he goes on to say, be fruitful and multiply. 
He says it's about the animals. We've studied this out before, that fruit, fruitfulness in the Old Testament, God was referring to people. So now we have the Lord of the Sabbath. God has blessed the Sabbath day. Therefore, if we participate in the building of God's kingdom, we've got to have Shabbat. Because it's a part of what God has blessed, what God says will bring fruit. So if we really want to bring God's kingdom, we actually got to stop for a minute and participate in what God is doing. If we're connecting with God on this level, there will be an overflowing of love that I guarantee you will transition onto other people in your life so that they can get connected with the authentic love of Jesus. And that's what Jazz Vic has been doing. Last week, Jazz shared about his journey to understand what God was calling him to do during his transition. He said he was taking time for silence and solitude, stopping, resting, allowing to hear from God. Well, during that process, Jazz was built up with God's love. That love overflowed to other people in his life to include our brother D-Mac. And D-Mac has said, I see the authentic love of God. I want to partner with God in that way. So today, D-Mac is being baptized. So let me ask you this question. Whose or what quotas are you trying to meet? Whose expectations are you trying to meet that has you going every day of the week to meet it? So for me, like I mentioned earlier, I mean, you know, I, I go every day, man. It don't bother me. I've been training like this for 20 years to go every day. That's just how my line of work is organized. But even in meeting people's expectations, I've shared before, you know, back in 2018, I was trying to meet Mike and Angel's expectations. Show them how big and bad of a minister I can be, wrangling up the people for the name of Jesus. I had a bad motive in my heart, man. And praise God for John Mark Comer and some other authors that talked about slowing down and taking an inventory check of your authentic self. So these are good. Your own expectations, we talked about before, we have to do Christianity and discipleship in groups so we can get out of our own heads. That really helps when you have people to talk to. So we see the ministry, we see the church. So this is good stuff. This is why we come on Sunday morning to get this stuff out so that we can start working toward healing and holiness. Amen? You know, when you understand that you don't have to meet anybody's expectations, you don't got to meet your parents' expectations, you don't got to meet your work, your boss, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your spouse, whatever, you are free from the quota of making more bricks because God loves you because he created you. The people who remember and practice Sabbath, they live a totally different lifestyle, not just on one day, but the rest of the other days of the week. Imagine you driving 200 miles an hour six days a week, and you try to slam on the brakes on day seven. Your car going to tear up. So you have to slow down throughout the week, connecting with God every day so that you can come to a healthy stop. 
It changes every day. So when I Sabbath, and by no means do I have this figured out, no means. I maybe been able to pull this off three or four times since my conviction. So I do not have it figured out. There's a ton of practical. I can't talk about all of it today. This is something we're going to have to continue to talk through, wrestle through. It'll take us years to be able to move in this direction. But you run through two questions. Is my activity rest and worship? Is my activity rest and worship? If the answer is no, I'm not sure, kind of, then just don't do it. Just say no. There's six other days to take care of that. Remember, we are not in a hurry. We are not in a hurry. So I don't want us to kind of move in a direction that the Pharisees were moving in, where we're kind of checking people, hey, what you doing on your Sabbath? Hey, that's not the right heart. That's not the right heart. If we're trying to split hairs and decide whether or not something's right to do on the Sabbath, that's just not going in the right direction, especially when we're just starting out. So my wife has an amazing quote that probably many of you use, but Tasha will say, you do you, boo. You do you. So whatever you have to do that will index your heart toward grateful recognition of God's reality and goodness, you do that. No work. If you feel like you're obligated or laboring, burdened, don't do it. You have the permission to stop. Joyful things, rest, play, do life-giving things that bring you joy. It's okay. Now, you workaholics, y'all can't say, my work brings me joy. No, 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 no. <laughs> I try to pull that one all the time. We can say the ministry brings me joy. No, 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 no. That's not what we're talking about. All right? So we have to expand our list of spiritual disciplines to include, but not limited to, having a bone-in filet, medium plus from the grill with a bottle of red wine. Sitting down with a couple and sharing a bottle of wine over a nice, slow meal where you're not running back home to try to take care of the kids and do chores and all that stuff. We can do that. Walk on the beach. Take a walk in the park. Experience God's love. Now, this takes some prep and planning. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, Moses changes the language a little bit. Instead of remember, he says, observe. Observe. Think about other holidays that we observe. Christmas. Thanksgiving. We put a lot of prep. We put a lot of planning into those holidays. So we have to do the same thing for Shabbat. You got to think through, I got to get my chores done. I got to get my errands ran. I got to think through my food. I got to think through my activities. We do it for all the other holidays. We have to plan for this one as well. The way we usually approach time of rest is for all the wrong motives. Usually it's this thing of, well, I got to get rest so I can go back to work. And that's our motivation. We come into it with the ulterior motive of, I need it for something else. 
Brothers and sisters, what if we change our mindset and we make the rest the reason and the motivation because that's what God's example was. We should anticipate Shabbat. We should yearn for it. It should be our happiest day of the week. There should be no other day that compares to it. Jesus' word says it all. Shabbat was made for us. His death, his blood gave us the opportunity to experience God in a way that we have yet to journey to. So let's journey together to rest and worship because God gives us permission to do so. Amen. Let's go to God in prayer. Holy Father, thank you for this opportunity, God. Father, just to be able to talk through your word and talk through a topic that sometimes can be a little confusing, God. Father, we know you've given us a little bit of revelation today. Father, we pray that we continue to partner with you so that you can reveal to us what this may look like in our lives to honor you, to follow your example, to stop and delight, to rest and worship, but trusting that when we do that, we are able to build your kingdom even better. I pray for the people's hearts that have come today to hear your message, to have fellowship, to be healed from things that are not known to everybody but are known to you, God. Father, we know there is so much turmoil out there. I pray that we stick with you in your word. We stick with each other, bonded together in unity of the spirit as we make an impact in our community. In your holy son's name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. New sermons are uploaded each Monday morning. Simply search The Path Church Atlanta in iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting service. Additionally, we greatly appreciate your feedback on iTunes. If you would like to learn more about The Path, we encourage you to visit www.thepath.church. We hope to fellowship with you soon.